0: The Ghost Goal Podcast. Arsenal reached the midway point of the Premier League season on pace for 100 points after their late 3-2 win over Manchester United on Sunday. Meanwhile, Manchester City reignited their title hopes with two wins in the span of a couple of days, First, coming back from 2-0 down against Tottenham to win 4-2, and then dispatching a relegation-threatened Wolves side, 3-0 on Sunday, behind a hat-trick from Erling Haaland. There was plenty of action down near the bottom of the Premier League as well, as Frank Lampard is out at Everton. We're going to discuss plenty of that and much more on this episode of the Ghost Gold Podcast. Welcome. 394, Javier. We're getting closer. 400, right around the corner. How, How are you doing, man? You, uh, I'm, sure, <clears throat> I'm sure you're doing great.
1: I'm doing, I'm doing very well, Alex. Yeah, I'm, I love that you mentioned that we're on, poise, on pace to get 100 points. That'd be uh, that'd be pretty crazy if we got 100 points. This uh, that Michele would equal
0: City's 100 point season that they had, I think, in 2017-18. It took the last day for them to do it, but they they did it. And Gabriel Jesus was the one who scored the goal to lock it up. So he's got experience in that regard. So. Where do you want Uh, to start, You must be excited. I mean, there's only one place to start. We have to start with you guys. You know, it's game of the weekend. Two teams in some of the best form in the league, Arsenal, Manchester United. It ended 3-2. There were, you know, great goals scored by both sides. Uh, But it was a game mostly controlled and, dare I say, dominated by Arsenal. Uh, and they ended up uh, getting the late goal from Eddie Nketiah to uh, win three two. It's just becoming more and more apparent to everyone, Javier, that uh, this Arsenal team isn't tripping up. You know, no, it, it, they we're, don't, not, uh, no we're not. We're not going to fall off this of season.
1: Up. We're not. It doesn't matter if, it, 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 unless we have some crazy injuries. I mean, I like that we were able to sign Leandro Trossard from Brighton um, last week. We signed him for twenty four million, which. I think a great price for a player who had seven Premier League goals already this season was arguably Brighton's best player up till Matoma's introduction into the team. Um, and you know him being benched and only having six months left on his contract, we got a really small fee. you know I think if he had had a you know three or four years deal, it would have been 50 60 million. So you know I think that type of that that to have that type of quality player on the bench, um, he actually came on. And was part of the goal. Uh, he had his back to the Manchester United back line, and um, you know he had some pretty easy passes out wide. He could have gone to his left or his right, but instead he turns around and uh, runs at the Manchester United defense t- about twenty yards up the pitch, um, and then plays the ball out wide to uh, to Odegaard, who who then you know fires it in for uh, for Enketia. Uh, I mean, it's just super impressive that Enketia can get a brace in this game. You know, exceeded my expectations. When we were talking about Eddie Nketiah last year, both of us, I'll admit, were critical of him. Didn't really think that, you know, we both wanted Arsenal to go get a striker, to go buy a, a backup striker for Jesus, because you predictably said Jesus is going to get injured at some point in the season, be out for three or four months, and then what's Arsenal going to do? And I honestly, in my like wildest dreams, couldn't have imagined Nketiah would be this good.
0: Right, and I think the, this the, quickly, this quickly. First, the first place I you thought have it to was possible that, that he could do is, it but is Arteta. Like, you have you have to point to coaching for that because what's changed? He signed a new deal, so he's reinvested in the, you know his future in the club. That happened near the end of last season when he had like a good run of form, scoring goals against Chelsea and uh, Man United, a couple other teams. But it, the player himself, what he is on the field, has, you know, come on leaps and bounds since then. He, he used to look, look like lost in games. You wouldn't realize he was playing for large periods of time, and then he would pop up with one chance and, and miss it. So your only opinion that you could form on him would be off that one moment. And if he didn't score in that one moment, then, you know, your whole opinion of how he played just went down the toilet. Now he gets way more engaged in the game. I, I don't want to repeat too much of what I said about the, the Tottenham game, the North London Derby last weekend. He didn't score in that game, but I thought he had an amazing impact just in terms of uh, being a target man, harassing defenders. I, I've, I've, with you, I've called him like the new age Diego Costa because he's he just isn't like solely concerned about scoring goals anymore. He's keeping it simple, as we've mentioned before, and he's doing all the little things very very well and just working his ass off to do them. So uh in this form you 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 don't you don't drop him but even if he'd picked up an injury that signing of Leandro Trossard, he could slot into that center forward spot and you'd have to play a little bit more like differently but you know with the form that Odegaard and Saka and Martinelli like have been on you, you can rely on those players goal scoring uh, you know, form at the moment to to play a false I mean, nine got, <coughs> and we have those to talk about these goals into. because the yeah, first goal with the Robin-esque finish. I, sorry, I have to jump straight to the soccer one. No, no, I was going to say like the Marcus Rashford goal was
1: incredible too. I mean, he beat yeah, yeah. Thomas Partey, put him on the ground, and then uh, you know ripped a shot near post that completely wrong-footed Ramsdale and. You know, I Scratchford's kind of on Mbappe on it. Yeah, absolutely. Mbappe scratchford's on incredible form. We haven't talked about him enough uh, during this run of goals that he's been getting. Uh we, we have to praise him because, you know, it came out of nowhere. You know, we were completely on top of them and United had not even gotten into our box yet. It was the seventeenth minute. They didn't get into our box. He shot that from outside of the box. I mean it was like that dominant of a of a display so far at that at that point in the game. So for them to score that goal, it was like just a, a a tiny sucker punch, but every time we've gone down so far this season, the team has found a way of scoring a goal within 10 to 15 minutes, sometimes immediately after the opposition scores. In this case it was 6 or 7 minutes, but you know, immediately responded and as soon as we drew the game, you know, you knew it was it, it was back on top. Manchester United defending, you know, playing on the counter attack, and l- yeah, like you said, the Bukayo Saka goal that was that was incredible.
0: I mean, a beautiful curler. He almost repeated it. He, like, he almost post, did it again. Like, a couple yeah, er-
1: Ericsson like like nicked it uh, on his way, uh, or was it Martinez? I think it was Martinez who blocked it. Yeah, but it was. Uh, uh, yeah, just uh, very, very close to uh, some some really incredible goals. Odegaard also almost had an incredible goal. There was there was just uh, it was a great game from both sides. Honestly, Manchester United they did well to stay in it. You know, they're they're they they were ahead against us. They drew level after we went up. You know, two one. They went level six minutes later. Uh, very like ingenious kind of header from Martinez. Just because he was small, I feel like he's the only player on the pitch who could have really made that header. Um, there weren't many other players who could have like ducked that low that quickly uh <laughs> so in that you're position his,
0: his height deficiency was one hundred percent helped him with
1: that yeah, goal one hundred percent helped him with that goal um it came out of nowhere again so two goals out of nowhere and you know then we just barraged them and you always felt it was coming I always felt like the goal was going to come at some point so when enketia scored it was you know I celebrated it but it was uh I don't know. I just kind of expected it at this point. So I'm really waiting for the Manchester City game. You know, uh, it's hard to not expect Which one? To win in every game. Because uh,
0: uh, early early uh, tease here, but you, yeah, you guys going to be playing the, Manchester play City, in the, uh, City in the, in the FA, FA Cup on Cubs. Friday. That'll
1: be fun to see. Just you know, I'm sure we'll play our full first team. It'll be a first uh, test to to see how that goes against them. Um, but you know, hats off to Manchester United too because they've come a very very long way they were not nearly as helpless as they were in the first game uh you know they scored three goals in the first game at Old Trafford but I think they didn't deserve to score three goals and you know probably should have lost the game on that day got I I think got very lucky with decisions but um this game I think they were they were you know almost good for the draw you know they almost got there and uh
0: yeah, and to do that, coming off a week where they had a, like a heartbreaking result, just losing the the win and having to settle for you know a point at Crystal Palace after Olise scored like a crazy free kick right near the end in that game, Casemiro gets a, a yellow card that you know disqualifies him from playing in uh, this Arsenal game. So you know they had to do it all over again without Casemiro. They looked pretty just ragged like they would look tired and they, they already you, you could pro- probably say if both teams were equally well rested and injury and suspension free Arsenal would still have the advantage out on the wings uh, in, in terms of like just Arsenal's wing backs attacking you know the current players meant at Eric Ten Hag's disposal at oh, left and uh, right back One so, note
1: on that Alex let me the uh, Arteta made a brilliant move and uh, I was watching this game with my dad I have to give Arteta credit here because I was watching the game with my dad, and I said Ben White's just been getting rinsed um, by Rashford the entire first half. Hasn't looked good, and uh, I wanted Tomayasu on, and Arteta brought him on immediately at halftime. Didn't wait at all, and I don't think there was an injury or anything there. Maybe there was, but you know Tomiyasu came on and, and just locked down. Marcus Rashford, you know, he's, he's such a good one V one defender. He's so physical. And then he just wins every single aerial duel. So when this guy's on his game um, and he was in this game, you know, when he came on in the second half, it, it pretty much nullified that threat of uh, of Rashford and he was just always an outlet ball. It's so great to be able to have him to be able to come on, um, you know, to, 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 when we need Kieran Tierney, Zinchenko was so good in this game too. Got to praise him because the way he he changes the entire way that Arsenal can play, um, because he allows Jaka to get forward. Um, he Jaka gets another assist in this game. Jaka had you know runs into the box. Same with Odegaard, because when they have Thomas and they have uh, Zinchenko behind them, they always if they under pressure they can always play the outlet ball to one of those two, and those two will always find another outlet from one of the So they always have two points of like. You know, because Xhaka isn't that good on the ball. Sometimes he'll fumble around, and but if he gets the ball to Zinchenko or Partey, they'll they'll get it to someone to Saka or to Martinelli, and you know, continue the attack. And it's relentless. And I and we have there hasn't been a team that when Zinchenko's played this season, there hasn't been a team with with Tomas and and when the full lineups played, there's just I, there hasn't been a team that's been able to stop it yet. So, uh, you know, New, Newcastle is is probably been the closest, but uh, it's uh, yeah. They're, I'm waiting for these city games to see how they go because I'm excited to see the the way the Arsenal's playing you know I think we might be able to just beat city you know because they're not on the best form I know Holland is back he's got 25 26 goals they got a nice easy three nil win uh at wolves yeah on let's Sunday transition and, to them
0: let's yeah. transition to them because I want to talk about not only that game but you know the the Tottenham game as well. Now, you can give them like a lot of stick for going down 2-0 in the way they did against Tottenham two goals right at the end of the first half they played uh, th- really well game. in that
1: first half though they were unlucky super unlucky Spurs did I absolutely wouldn't say they nothing. played
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't say they played really well they just they do what they well. usually they created do a a bunch keeping of chances. the ball like they're always going to keep the ball and create like good chances but you know from you know what they what they did at Manchester United. I'm, I'm sure their their confidence was probably a bit like rocking a little bit. Do you not remember? And then though, just, though, just sort of like... Had,
1: like they had like they had multiple like Gundogan had like like one v one that he missed. Holland put a header that was literally just yeah, like, a Holland, tap in over Holland the bar. Had some,
0: Holland had like two really good chances. Yeah, in the first exactly. Half.
1: And then they finally turned it on in the second half and scored a bunch of goals. But like they were missing chances in the first half and creating and playing well. So. I think that was probably one of City's best performances of the season. I know that they went down 2-0, they were free. it was a freak 2-0. I mean, it was all Ederson's yeah. fault basically.
0: Well, Ederson screwing yeah. up for, for the first one and then, you know, the second one. No team should ever be allowing Emerson Royale to be scoring against them, but uh yes, yeah, so I I mean, I did want to lead, lead this into basically saying Holland. You know, what what I've been critical about City for after that Manchester United game was just not making a concerted enough effort to create chances for him. And they don't need to be like, you know, tap-ins. He'll he'll make the movement to get tap-ins too. But you can put in a a ball that like most other strikers... Right. You can put in a ball in the air that most people can only dream of, like, touching with their hand, and Holland will go up and head that. Like, he's capable of more, so, you know, give him a challenge. He'll rise to the occasion and take advantage like he has with these four goals in his last two games. So I think City just need to keep not not rotating any players for the FA Cup game against you guys on Friday. But... who knows? Pep may want to like keep oh, his he's cards gonna play, close he's to gonna the chest. He's going to
1: completely rotate. He's going to play like Giao Cancelo, right. Bernardo Silva. I'm thinking
0: he's going to play he's, the backup team so he yeah, doesn't give away any, any of his, his tactics for the league games. 100%. Like it's a chess match over multiple con, con, like, contests now.
1: Yeah, he's going to play his backups. I'm sure we'll maybe even start Trussard. I'd like to see that. Maybe give Saka a rest or uh, Martinelli.
0: But yeah, that's Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, uh, Arsenal, really first one. place, first city, second place, playing each other in the FA Cup. Nice. Uh, that's, I mean, that's going to be a doozy. It's by far the game of the, the round, maybe even the competition so far. Um, are you you confident, based off that information, of them playing their backups, that you guys can beat them? Because I, I think that would give you a, even, an even bigger so. psychological advantage over them. them in the yeah, league. I
1: think we can we can beat them, and I think we want to beat them to, to have the psychological advantage going to the Emirates and knowing that we can win at the Etihad. So uh, I really want us to go for it this game. I don't see any reason why we won't play our full lineup because we don't play for another week after that.
0: Right, yeah. So the Premier League action next weekend is going to be suspended for that fourth round of uh, FA Cup games. A couple other one of those games I wanted to mention, just for those of you that may be interested, uh, on that that Manchester City-Arsenal game, like I said, Friday at 3 p.m., Saturday at 1 p.m., Preston North End versus Tottenham. Preston are, you know, upper mid-table in the championship right now. Have a lot of Irish players, so uh, I usually try to keep an eye on them. That could be a good one. And then uh, Sunday at 3 p.m., Brighton hosting Liverpool, uh, which will lead us into... Am I taking the piss here, Javier, by saying we should lead into this uh, Liverpool-Chelsea game now? I know it was nil-nil. I know it wasn't that great of a game, but I feel like... You know, just the unfortunate form of both these teams is enough, or startling enough, that it deserves talking about. And also, a certain Ukrainian mid-table starlet made his debut. The mid-table trash game. The uh, n- mid-table
1: useless teams, Alex. What I want to talk about it, like just because these, uh, I, I, I'm
0: telling you, I'm telling you now, Javier. I think, I think neither team has any chance of getting top four. Let me just precede what I'm about to say by saying that neither Liverpool nor Chelsea are going to challenge for top four this season. But if you had to put money on one of them, wouldn't you put it on Chelsea? Like, I'm saying I'm worried about Liverpool because they look... It, it, they look worrying all over the field. Like, the only bright spot spot for them was uh, Basitic, the young midfielder who, you know, was just okay in this Chelsea game. The rest of their their midfields, you know, uh, Keita, horror show... Uh Tiago barely noticed him. And their forward line just looks like they can't buy a goal right now. So I, I'm worried about Liverpool. And it's not just this Chelsea game. It's obviously the Brighton game before this. Uh, and they're going to be going to that same Brighton team in the FA Cup. And they just lost 3-0 there. It's going to be back at Brighton. I'd be pre- pretty worried if I was a Liverpool fan right now. Because... What happened to these? You know, the, this prediction of Cody Gakpo is going to hit the ground running. Like he's has looked, he, he's looked active, but he does not look sharp. He does not look like the sharp player he was at the World Cup. Like he's gotten similar quality of chances. I think, I, yeah, but in this I, Chelsea I, game, I he has it's, not it's been such a, them. It's
1: so deceitful international play. You know, when you see a player doing well in international, you think, oh, you know, this will translate directly to club. But they have more time on the ball. They have more space players aren't going they're going really hard but they aren't going as hard i think you know because they all still have professional club careers to go back to so in the end it's it's not the same and
0: wouldn't you argue they try harder because they're trying for you know for their country's pride you know,
1: I don't know. They're I not feel doing like, it for I feel the like money. money. Uh, money talks. I feel like you want to protect your money more than your career that more than, uh, I mean, I know they're doing well at the world. That cup That says more like about you than it career, says
0: but... about anyone else, Javier.
1: <laughs> no, I'm saying as a player, as a player, <laughs> no, I, get as a I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, but so
0: you're blaming, you're blaming world cup goggles for, uh, this GACPO is going to hit the ground running prediction.
1: Yes. I'm here about, to take uh, you up
0: on it, Javier. You, you, you said he's definitely going to hit the ground running. And I'm just telling you, he, has not looked like it so far. I haven't even started on. Mos yes, but Darwin hasn't texting... been back
1: yet. So until Darwin's yeah, back. Yeah, well
0: he he came on for like the last twenty minutes, missed a couple of chances, played a really good ball to Alexander Arnold at the back post, who missed probably Liverpool's best chance of the game. But it just looks like there's there's no inspiration in this Liverpool team. All right, well, like let's Salah see what is still working Darwin, hard, but
1: he can. Darwin Gakpo Salah starts. But uh, I want to okay. see what happens.
0: Alex. I, we've seen that a couple of times, including Wolves we have in seen the it FA yet. Cup and we have not seen yeah, it yet. Wolves in the FA Cup, and they, you know, it wasn't that good. I, I'm just mainly concerned about their midfield and Salah. Salah is working his ass off, still making the runs that he used to make, but it's like. I texted you this. It's like the scenes in Space Jam where the aliens come and and the Monstars come and take Charles Barkley's powers and, uh, you know, Muggsy Bogues, like, their their talent. They steal their talent. And Sala, like, gets himself in the position so he's not, like, falling down over himself. But once he's there, he just doesn't have the finish anymore. and It's like he's lost the the physicality, the, the tenaciousness that made him special. So, I mean maybe Jota coming back or uh go uh, when's uh when's Luis Diaz coming back? I think he's he might be out for the rest of the season. I think so he's it's out just for the
1: rest of the season, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's just Jota. But that that could be a spark for them. Who knows. Um meanwhile Chelsea I just think we look like we have a bit more of a plan about us.
1: Oh, Alex, uh, do you want th- to talk about your Michaelo Modric debut Alex?
0: Yeah, Modric came on in the 55th minute. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I mentioned yet, but this was a, a nil-nil draw, so no goals to talk about. But Mugrick came on and immediately looked like the best attacking player on the field. Ah. He like combined on what the left I'd wing say, really well with Gallagher and Kukurea. I'm just what really excited say? to see him uh, and draw Felix once Felix has served Do you that, like my, uh, uh, my comparison to card. Eden
1: Hazard with him, Alex? Doesn't he just kind of glide through defenders and through players in the box because he's so quick with the ball at his feet?
0: Yeah, and he has the added bonus of uh, actually having a defensive work rate, which is very interesting to watch. When I saw him like track back and like fly into tackles and win the ball back, and yeah, I I was just thinking to myself, I don't think I ever saw Eden Hazard track back and uh, win the ball back. Like he'll he'll win he'll win a battle for the ball when he's the one who's who's got it already. But uh, yeah, he he looked really good in just the the thirty five minutes that that he played. So. Um, I'm really, it's, it's going to be weird not having Still Chelsea a for two but, weeks. i heard about uh, you
1: guys getting him, Arsenal not getting him. No, taken, no, no. Go play with
0: your Trossard. You're no, going to enjoy your Trossard. I was about to Trussard. say, you know
1: what, though? I don't know if uh, in that same situation, if Mudrick comes on, we get the winner against Manchester United. I think Trossard was such a big part of it. And him having Premier League experience, not being scared in that situation on the ball, you know, advancing the ball 20, 30 yards up the pitch before he releases it. That's something that a player who has already been playing in the Premier League this entire season, you know, who's gotten goals at Old Trafford, at Anfield, you know, against Chelsea, a bunch of goals, this, you know, big, big goals against Manchester City. You know, this, this player is uh, a big game player and contributed again, you know, the Modric, Modric. I don't know if he would have been if he would have been the same. I don't know if it would have been like the same. Yeah, impact. he might not have had the same opportunity. He might not have had the same impact. Which I think in the in the short term it's going to be better for Arsenal. Which and then in the long term, obviously for Chelsea, this is going to be better than having Trossard. But you know, right now for maybe winning the title, I think it might have worked out for both teams.
0: Remember, I was saying to you, or was, we were texting like two weeks ago, the week before Chelsea swooped in and signed Modric on on the Saturday. I, I was assuming that Mudrik was going to Arsenal, just from all of the the links that, that had been going around. And I was like looking at the situation with Trossard falling out with De at Brighton and thinking to myself, this would be a great option for like 20 to 30 million. Bring him in uh, to, to Chelsea. He's familiar with Graham Potter and how he wants to play. I, I, this is a great like plan B if Mudrik uh, isn't available and Arsenal get him. The script obviously completely flipped and the two players end up going the opposite way. But I still think it's a it's a good deal. I think it's a good deal for both clubs. Like, yeah, I, you're right. So
1: speaking of, we also signed um, this twenty three year old, left footed, Polish center back. He can play left center back and uh, center defensive mid. He's played center you got to say
0: their mid. names, Javier. Jakub yeah, Jakub Kiwior. Kiwior.
1: I don't know uh I never really 22 watched 22-year-old
0: center back from Spezia, I don't really 25 know, million. I uh,
1: don't really know anything about him. I know he played 4 games in the World Cup for Poland, so uh probably a decent player. Uh, I heard he, uh, from what I've read he was not great in those games, but you know, Poland we'll, weren't uh, great in those games. So But 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 to be uh to be fair, whoever these players are that Arteta's bringing in, I can only imagine that Arteta coaching, if he can make Eddie and Ketia that much better, you know who knows? Maybe he can make this uh, Or and uh, Trussard even better. So that would be a, that'd be an interesting thing to to see in these next few years. You know, because all of our signings for the last couple of years now, the last couple of windows, have been really, really, really good and have worked out well and come straight into the team. So there hasn't really been really been any dud signings, other than maybe Sambi in the last couple uh, in the last few windows. So and Sambi came a couple of years ago, but not many duds.
0: All right, well, let's move on to the bottom of the table. We, we we talked about the top of the table, talked about the mid-table clubs, Chelsea and Liverpool, and now the bottom of the table. It's uh, it's getting juicy. Uh, the, the big news, obviously, today when we're recording on uh, Monday evening, is that uh, Everton have sacked Frank Lampard, R.I.P. Frank, uh, after he lost his second straight relegation six-pointer, lost two nil at West Ham. It was a valiant effort, but uh, they, they, they just still have struggled to convert chances. They create plenty of decent chances, but just have not been able to finish them. So, uh, Frank is let down by his players. I, I think there's there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric going around about play, great players like Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard. And that we shouldn't just assume just because they were great players that they're going to make great managers and that you know the opportunities that those two managers have gotten have been undeserved and they sh- those kinds of opportunities should be going to you know the less high profile managers english managers this discussion is about but guys like steve cooper and uh, nottingham forest and you know, eventually, Graham Potter has gotten that chance, but you know, it took him a long time. He had to Eddie
1: Howe just got that chance at Newcastle. Eddie
0: Howe, yeah, like th- those, but th- those managers have undoubtedly have had to have taken a longer road to get to this point than players like Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard did. Well, but then you see players. players
1: like Mikel Arteta, like Patrick Vieira, who are succeeding in their clubs, and you know, and they were similar era time time frame of Gerrard and Lampard.
0: True but I mean uh, Vieira has been managing for years for like he was in New York City FC in the MLS. He was in France. Like Frank Lampard got that, that uh, I mean, obviously got the Derby job through connections. Uh, then he obviously got the Chelsea job because of very specific circumstances. Getting the Everton job after that, I think a lot of people just thought it was like a, a big risk and it Ended up working out for them in the short term. He got them safety that that season, which was you know what he was hired to do. But without the support from the board, which you know the Everton fans have rightly turned their anger towards the board, and that's been a whole shit show in and of itself. Uh, the way that's uh, sort of unfolded, it doesn't seem like the Everton fans themselves are blaming Frank for this. It seems like the rest of the the, the football public are kind of taking the opportunity to take shots at Frank. But I, I think. Frank did the bet, made the best of a bad situation. He got some short term success. I, I didn't. I-, I thought it was going to be really tough for him to keep them up last season. He managed to pull it off. Uh, this season, like the only notable like new signing that's like making you know ha- having good like performances for them consistently now is Amadou Onana. And it's you know Calvert Lewin's been predictably injured the whole season. Uh, Neil Malpai was signed, but hasn't done shit.
1: Tamari Gray's it's, been uh, okay.
0: Tamari Gray's been okay, but like, like I said, they're having trouble scoring goals, and there are not many players on that team that you would point to. he has
1: been really good, actually.
0: Yeah, but again, he's, he's not a goal player. scorer. He's not been. He's not a goal scorer, and they've they've played had good defensive performances. They need goals, and I don't know. I just feel like sacking him won't make that big of a difference. Now. Of the managers that, you know... Now, if they bring in Marcelo to Bielsa... This job, well, yeah, I was going to say, which which manager do you think number one will be hired and make, which manager do you think number two should be hired if they're different at all?
1: I think, you know, they need someone like uh, Nuno Espirito Santo or, you know, uh, Marcelo Bielsa, someone who's managed in the Premier League before who could get turn this team around uh, and have them playing a... Uh, I think Nuno might be, you know, someone like him might be a good stylistic matchup for the players that they have. I think someone like Bielsa won't be able to play his style and implement something like that in like a relegation fight. So it might be a little bit riskier to go with someone like Bielsa. So I don't know. Uh, I might try to go with someone like Nuno, Alex.
0: Well, I've got a name for you. I think the whole conversation should just begin and end with Sean Dyche. He's got Sean experience at the bottom at the bottom of the Premier League. He's been he, through he's relegation battles before. Well. He, he's also a manager that, you know, if the unthinkable does happen and Everton do get relegated, and I'm not saying unthinkable because I don't think it will happen. I think they will likely be relegated. It just hasn't happened in 69 years. It would be the first time in forever that they got relegated. He's a manager that could bring them right back up. They've got this new stadium opening in a year or two. If they go down, it would obviously be a huge financial hit and and you know they would they would suffer that in terms of you know paying for that stadium. But if they came right back up, which, you know, with the players they have, they could very easily do, with an experienced manager like Sean Dykes, it wouldn't be seem as, you know, big of a threat to their, you know, existence as it as it would if they have someone, you know, inexperienced. So If they can manage to convince Sean Dykes, I I think he'd be a perfect appointment. He plays the defensive style that Everton are, you know, inextricably linked to. But, you know, those Burnley teams played some nice football at times as well. And I I think it's kind of undoubtable that Everton have better players on paper uh, for Sean Dykes to to work with. So I think that would be a a really good move. But uh, Bielsa, I I just don't see, like, the fit just doesn't seem right like Nuno I get and I wouldn't be surprised if he popped up but I would I'd be leaning towards Dykes if I was an Everton fan yeah so with that loss uh, Everton remained in the uh, relegation spots they're still on 19th tied with Southampton uh, both on 15 points Southampton are bottom Uh, Bournemouth dropped into the relegation zone after they uh, drew a a late Nottingham Forest goal ended the game 1-1 and uh Wolves and West Ham uh, managed to, or I guess West Ham, just West Ham, managed to leapfrog them with that win against Everton. I got to apologize to David Moyes because uh, I was talking about him getting fired and replaced with Rafa Benitez last week, and that didn't end up happening at all. Instead, it was uh, Frank Lampard that got fired. So, yeah, a uh, sorry, He's David Moyes. Made a I, bunch uh, of money. I had a moment of, of doubt, and I'll, I'll, I'll never do it everybody. again, I promise. All right, Javier, what do you want to talk about? Uh, last thing to talk about.
1: A few of the results, um, maybe we can talk about quickly. Uh, Bournemouth got a one-one draw with Nottingham Forest. I think that was a uh, a decent point for Bournemouth. They'll probably be pretty disappointed they didn't get a win. They were leading for the, most of the game, and Nottingham Forest kind of snatched a win at the end there. Um, but that was a relegation, you know, six-pointer that ended up with a draw. Leicester got a good point against Brighton. You know, uh, uh, kind of
0: disappointing because they had the lead. Also, and then, yeah, they had know, the lead the whole game. Evan and Ferguson.
1: What a what a beautiful header! I mean, that header was, and Matoma's goal. What about Matoma cutting inside, like curling one into the corner as well? Like
0: yeah, 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 that's good. But Evan
1: Ferguson, Javier,
0: Ireland. We have found Matoma, our center forward. Matoma, Alex.
1: I've been hyping up Matoma. For <laughs> yeah, yeah we've talked few, about him enough. Weeks, Evan Ferguson, unbelievable. <laughs> but yes, Ferguson. I mean, coming on, doing that. No, I mean he's been incredible for Brighton. You got to think he's going to start in the next game. You know, I think he was benched for the last game, but he'd started the last couple of games, gotten a goal and I think I think an assist. Just an unbelievable header here and the kid looks incredibly talented. He's only 18 years old.
0: He just turned 18 in October, That's Javier. Incredible. Get him in the Ireland lineup. Get him he's in there. going to
1: be he's going to be a monster for Ireland and for uh, Brighton it looks like, so. I think you mentioned the West Ham two nil over Everton. You know Bowen getting a brace there. He looks like he uh, maybe that'll you know spark his form that everyone thought he was going to carry into from last season. Um, so you were you were saying remember you didn't you didn't remember who uh, that last time he scored and so he uh, he said Alex you know what here's a couple of goals shove it up your ass.
0: I'm gonna go get your favorite midfielder fired from his coaching job. <laughs>
1: Right. He's like, you don't remember Thanks, when Jared. the last time I scored here. Take a couple of goals and uh, kick Frank out. Um, and then. Yeah, so West Ham uh,
0: are out of the relegation zone now.
1: And then there was a, uh, you know, kind of a. It was a really interesting nil nil draw between Palace and Newcastle that I watched, um, which, you know, I thought Palace were good for the draw, but Newcastle created a ton of chances. You know, Guaita, Pope made one crazy save from uh, a Mateta shot, but it was basically all Newcastle. And, uh, this is Newcastle's ninth draw of the season. They still only lost one game. Only 11 goals conceded from Newcastle. They have more clean sheets than they have goals conceded. 12 clean sheets, 11 goals conceded. Pretty incredible stat statistics, uh, from Newcastle defensively. I don't know how Eddie, Howe has them that good defensively. And, uh, they haven't conceded in like seven or eight games now, Alex. It's a pretty incredible run, Newcastle Ron. Yeah, I mean, I know they've
0: had a couple of draws here in the last couple of games, but I just mean defensively, the run,
1: the run is incredible.
0: Yeah, that, that that what I'm what I'm about to say is that you know they've moved up because United have you know had. A draw and a loss in their last two games, and I think that d- defense is the reason why you, you, Newcastle are going to have the advantage in goal difference if they're tied with Manchester United. Manchester United are only on it, plus seven. Is it safe Newcastle to say that Newcastle 2v2.
1: aren't going to fall off either, Alex?
0: I think it's looking that way. I mean, it depends. How, I feel like how they're not going to draw.
1: Off. They're going to buy a couple more players in January, and I, also
0: I, they, they've had three draws in their last five games, one away at Palace. Uh, this this past weekend. Before that, they drew at Arsenal, which I think is a good draw, a point that they would you know be very happy with. But then they had a draw at home against Leeds, and they have had like maybe one or other one or two other games like that at home this season, like the the Bournemouth game where, uh, you know they they have struggled for goals sometimes, and you know the Fulham game at home as well. They, they took a late winner from uh Isaac, who had just come back from injury. The defense is carrying them right now. There's no doubt about that, and they're, they're, they've been consistent enough that I think that it it should tide them over and get them top four. But you know, a lot of that is also going to depend on I think mainly Tottenham because Tottenham, you know, they they get back on track after two straight losses to Arsenal and Manchester City, uh, winning earlier today against uh, Fulham away at Fulham, which is that's not an easy away game anymore. We, we've we've seen that Fulham have given a lot yeah, of pretty big top pretty big teams win trouble for them there. Yeah, Harry Kane tied Jimmy Greaves' goal goal record for for Tottenham on 266. Missile. Uh, Yeah, so it's uh, it's, it's a good sign for Tottenham, but uh, they've got another game against Manchester City coming up right after this uh, FA Cup weekend. They're going to be hosting Manchester City in two weeks' time, so they're going to have to... Uh, avoid the same level of embarrassment that uh, City that calls one. them.
1: I'll take a draw.
0: I, I know you would take a draw on that one. Were, were you not, There's uh, no way
1: I would ever cheer a Tottenham win. but I'll You weren't cheering
0: win. when they went up 2-0 against Manchester City?
1: Not particularly. No? Okay, because you knew how, City would uh, come back. Yeah, and that's not how—exactly. Uh, also, I knew that that's not the script for like how this that game was supposed to go. I mean, if Tottenham were to get anything from that game, they had to keep it close to, like, the 60th minute. And then if City scored, they could have gotten a goal and then, like, tried to, like, maybe, like, get it 1-1. But the fact that they, you know, got those goals and then shut up shop and went back into a giant shell and City just barraged them for an entire half, you know, it just it became... Tottenham did nothing in that second half. It was, like, they were pathetic. Tried to just defend their lead and then, you know, they got destroyed, so. I think Manchester City and Arsenal are... Pretty clearly the two best teams in the league with Newcastle and United now showing that they're I, I, I like, I, I mean, I think the top four is pretty starting to form pretty clearly. And Tottenham is I, I don't feel like Tottenham plays as well as the other four teams that are in the top four right now. So I think it's going to start be- becoming a gap at some point with the form of those four teams that are in the top four right now.
0: I tend to agree with you. But we'll see. There's, We've just reached the halfway mark of the season. or Some teams are a little bit past halfway, having played 20 or 21 games. But, you know, plenty of teams have only played 19 of their 38 games. So still a lot of uh, Premier League season left to develop. So a lot of things can change. All right, Javier, let's wrap things up there. Thank you uh, for jumping on this one after work, as usual. Always appreciate it. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can follow him at JavierRev9. If you want to follow uh, me, Alex, on uh, Twitter or Instagram, you can follow me at ASMoss92. And you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoalPod. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go ahead and leave a rating and review so that uh, new listeners can uh, find the pod. We always appreciate it when you guys help us out. Enjoy those FA Cup games this weekend. And until next time, see you.